listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit www.jointheventure.com. Yeah, it's love. You know, and I remember those early days and, and then going out to eat with her and going on dates and we'd sit and we'd talk. And we'd get to know each other. And if you've experienced that kind of a relationship, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It's a good friendship where you're just sitting there and you just, you know, I really like talking to this person. There's this communication thing that's happening. And I can tell you this about my marriage and about any friendship that I've had. That the quality of our relationship rises and falls with the quality of our communication. If I'm not talking to my wife, if I'm not talking to my friends, we are not going to have the level of relationship that we desire. And the same can be said about God. I said that prayer is all about love. And I would say that a relationship at its core is about love and love expressed through communication or communion. We use that word in church a lot, and that's kind of what it's about, communication. So I'm going to make a bold statement, and I don't want it to, I don't want it to shock you, and I don't even want it to step on your toes. What I want it to do is challenge you to think, Okay. This is the statement, that if you, if you don't love God, then you can't really pray. I'm going to say it again, then I'm going to kind of qualify it, because that's a heavy statement. If you don't really love God, then you can't really pray. Now, can you pray? Well, yeah, it's not impossible. It's not impossible to pray to God if you don't love him, but it becomes like an awkward communication with a, a, a perfect stranger. You know, it's the checkout line. It's that person that you stand with, and you're just kind of swinging your arms going, I'm done here. Like, I've said, I've said everything I want to say to you. I don't really have anything else to say to you. And it's that awkward, it's that cumbersome dance of communication. And that, that's why sometimes we have a hard time praying. Because we're not in love with God. This morning I want to talk about that fact. How can we build a relationship based on communication that leads us to love? Loving God in a way that it can change our lives. Um, and so here it is. Pull up a chair. Pull up a chair. Um, when it comes right down to it, you, you don't need a book on prayer to learn how to pray. You don't need a seminar. You don't need counseling. It's just about pulling up a chair and starting a, a conversation. And honestly, on the one hand, it's that easy. Pull up a chair, have a conversation. It's that easy. And I could get off the stage and be like, I just did something good. I taught you guys how to pray. It's easy. Just talk to a chair. Hold up a second. Let me say the other hand. It's not that easy, because that's weird. That's awkward, talking to an empty chair. That's strange. It is unlike any communication we have in life. And we, what other communication do you have with somebody where you're just like, I'm just going to talk like you're in the room, but you're not. It's like there's people on their Bluetooth headsets at the grocery store. Like, huh? Oh, you're not talking to me. But, you know, it, it's like that. And not only that, but when we talk to them, when we, when we pray to God, I mean, you can't see his facial expression. You can't read his body language. And what may be even harder is that, he doesn't answer us back in an audible voice. You know that consoling moment when you're in a conversation with someone and they do this? Uh-huh. It's simple. It's simple when they go, uh-huh. That means, I'm still listening. Yeah, I know what you're saying. We don't get that from God when we talk to him. So on the one hand, it's that simple. Pull up a chair, talk. On the other hand, it's, it's, it's a little bit unnatural, and it's a little bit more complicated because it's something we have to learn to become comfortable with. And I believe it comes back to the idea of falling in love with God. And what he is and who he is. You know, um, people talk to, to Jesus about prayer. And Jesus gives us this amazing example of how we should pray. But 
uh, someone came to Jesus and said, how, how, how should we pray? And he says, this then is how you should pray. And then he gives us this example. And in fact, we're about to look at that, and that's going to be kind of the rest of our time together. But I want to say this, and it's, it's actually really heavily covered in, in the book I mentioned earlier about prayer. There's lots of different types of prayer. Uh, for example, there's this, there's this prayer that, that's called the prayer of the forsaken. And it's that prayer where you're just like, oh, God, where are you? For real, God? Again? Again, this is happening in my life? We might feel guilty about saying those kind of prayers, but all throughout the Bible, man, you hear people say those prayers. Look, there's a book in the Bible called Psalms, and there's this book of Psalms by, mostly by this guy named King David, and he says things like, God, why have you forsaken me? It's the prayer that Jesus says on the cross right before he gives his life up. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's that moment where we feel like God has gone away from us. You know what, it's okay to be in that place. It's in those moments, actually, where we, we learn to trust God more, but in the moment, it really stinks. There's also another type of prayer called a prayer of tears. It's the prayer of a, of a parent who's just lost a child, or, or the, the prayer of someone who's just seen really something bad happen, and, and, and maybe they understand, like, this is the way that it had to go, but then I'm crying out to you right now, God. Prayer of tears. And there's lots of prayers. There's prayer of celebration. There's prayer of there's prayer of, uh, for, for the needs that we have. There's different types of prayer. And there's lots of different ways that we can pray. And the Bible says, for example, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, this, pray continually. Like, that's, that's a pretty heavy thing to, to think about. Pray continually. And Ephesians 6, 18 says the same thing. You know, pray on all occasions. So there's also this idea of this, this ongoing prayer that's happening in the background all the time in our life. And we're always kind of like, God, thank you for this. And, oh, this is happening. And help us to get through this traffic. And help me get through this moment. And, and on and on goes. And you see a sunset. And you go, God, that's beautiful. I praise you. Like, that's that kind of in the background prayer. So there's all kinds of different prayer. My goal today is for us to do this, to master the art of the simple prayer, the simple prayer. And so someone goes to Jesus, and he says, how should we pray? And Jesus says this, this, then, is how you should pray. And he goes into what has become what we call the Lord's Prayer, or sometimes it's called the model prayer. And maybe if you were in a high school athletics program, you might have learned this prayer with your team. Uh, in fact, my memory of, of the Lord's Prayer uh, comes from when I was, I was on the wrestling team in high school. And when I think about the Lord's Prayer, no, no lie, every time I think about the Lord's Prayer, I picture a group of like 12 to 20 sweaty smelly, out-of-breath guys, and we're like all hands in the middle, like, all right, we say the Lord's Prayer. We say it as fast as we can, like in the deepest, manliest voice we got. We're like, our Father, it's going to be on the screen here. And we all suddenly uh, can speak in King James old school English, and so that's all what we can all do. So then we, we do this, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And on and on it goes, and at the end we're just like, and then we run to the locker room, right? And that's the end of the prayer. I want to say this about the Lord's Prayer. Um, if you memorized it as a kid, that's great. It's a great thing to memorize. If you memorized it as an adult, it's great. But I, I don't believe that it was God's, Jesus' goal for us to memorize this prayer and make it the only prayer we say. Nor was it as his goal to, to memorize any list of prayers and make those the only prayers we say. In fact, when he gives this, he says, this then is how you should pray. He doesn't say this then is what you should pray. Have you ever gotten a form letter in the mail uh, and it's like written to, like I got a mail a letter one time and it said, Dear Mr. Rodriguez, or current resident, and I'm like, I do not look like a Mr. Rodriguez, you know? This is not for me. No one was thinking about me when they wrote this letter, so I'm going to throw it in the trash. And I think that God wants that type of personal communication from us, too. Not a form letter. Not something that we memorize. Again, it's a healthy habit to memorize scripture. It's a healthy habit to memorize prayer. But when it comes to falling in love with God, it's about mastering the art of the simple prayer and opening up simply what's on our heart. 
to God. And so what I want to do now is we're going to take a look at, at this prayer that Jesus gives, uh, the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, and see what we can learn about this model, this outline, these concepts that Jesus gives us, and, and take that home with us. And practice. Pull up a chair and practice. Okay? So uh, I want to say this every week. You know, at Venture Church, we, we really value, and I know as, a, as an individual, I value Scripture. I say that the Bible is the best place to look for the answer to life's hardest questions. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, we have free ones to give away. There's some scattered out on the floor. You can take one as you go or speak to one of our volunteers as you leave. Just say, I wanted a Bible. Uh, maybe the one you have is, is messed up or, or even in an, a King James English, it's a little difficult for you to understand. By all means, we want you to leave with a Bible. Also, maybe you've got questions about the Bible or prayer or about God. And, and tonight, actually, we are starting our Venture Basics class. Uh, it's not a class on, hey, come let us toot our own horn and let me tell you all about our cool church. It's actually not even about venture at all. It's about the basics of our venture with God. And, you know, who is God? Who is Jesus? What is the Bible? Why do we put so much stock in it? I would really encourage you, if you haven't already signed up for that class, make a note on your connection card. You can join us here tonight uh, at, the class starts at 5.30. There's actually some, a slide later that says 5 o'clock. It starts at 5.30. Uh, you can get here at 5 if you want to. We'll be here. Uh, but it'll be here at the YMCA up in the back room here. There's directions you can get from somebody uh, if you're interested. But I want to start with that to say we look at the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And let's look at prayer and let's take a look at the model that Jesus gives us. We're going to zip through this a little bit. If you're familiar with the, with the Lord's Prayer, it'll be something a little more familiar to you. If not, I encourage you to take some notes. Type it in your phone or jot it down on a, on a note card with the pen that was in your seat. So Jesus jumps in and he says this. He starts with, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're going to build on that, but I want to take a, take a look at the very first thing Jesus says when he prays, our Father. I love that he says, when you pray, take it to God. Take it directly to God. There is no need to go through another path to get to God. You don't have to go speak to a professional Christian, a priest or a pastor or some sort of clergy. You don't have to do that. It, that's not me saying that. Maybe you were raised in that tradition. That's Jesus saying, when you pray, just pray, just pray our Father. Go straight to him. Maybe you're raised in a tradition where you need to pray to a saint or to some other venerated person. I'm not sure that the Bible even really supports that at all, to be really honest. Because when Jesus talks about prayer, he says, go to God. And that's the same way he prays, and that's the way we see his followers pray. So that's encouraging to me. Because he says, pray our Father. Because God just isn't this distant God who doesn't care about you. He's got this relationship with you that's like a father to a child. Our Father, our Father, who's in heaven, the next phrase, hallowed be your name. That next phrase there, hallowed be your name, is, is kind of the next thing that Jesus talks about. We don't use the word hallowed or very often. It, it kind of means this, to be set apart. Uh, another word is kind of holy. God in heaven, Father, and then set him apart. Worship him in some way. An easy thing that I do a lot of times in prayer is just to say, God, you're good. You're good. Father, you're good. Dear God, you're good. You're amazing. You're the creator. You're the provider. You're the person who can help me get through this. So start, take it directly to him and then give him some praise. Um, I would encourage you to start your prayer with some adoration to God. And that basically sets us apart and says, this is who you are, this is who I am. All right, now that we know our roles, I got some things I need to say. Simple. Uh, the, ne the next thing here that Jesus says, he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The next thing, your kingdom come. Now, we live in a, 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 you know, a representative, representative republic. We don't do much with kingdoms. Uh, but they did back then a lot. And the idea of a kingdom is, is clear. There's a king, and then there are people who basically live to live for that king. When you talk about the kingdom of God, it's something Jesus touches on a lot. 
But in our era today, I mean, I'm not going to get into all the other stuff that could be talked about. I want to give you something very simple to hold on to. When you talk about the kingdom of God and the world we live in today, it's the church. It's the church. It's God's people doing God's work in God's world. It's the church, the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus says. When you pray, pray for the kingdom. Pray for the church. I'm not talking about venture church. You know what? We're just some people here doing the same thing that other people all around the world are doing today and all throughout the week. Pray for the church. God, please make a difference in this world through your people. The church is the people, not the buildings. Your kingdom come. And not only does it mean to pray for the church, it also means to pray even for your church family. You know, pray for your church family. Pray for the people that are in your life. You might know someone in your little family here who has a need. Pray for our leadership. Pray for uh, our vision to reach people with the love of God who may never go to another church. We say we're church people who don't like church, and that's not just a slogan to, to make it look edgy. I think a lot of you can attest to the fact that, yes, I came here because I was curious what that was about, and I, I found something a little different. Pray for that vision that there will be people in this city who will then come and be a part of this kingdom. Why? Because it makes a difference. And so not only that, but then your kingdom come not just on this organizational global scale, but also in individuals' lives. I think that the idea of the kingdom of God coming for each person in this room, for each person in this neighborhood, for each person in this city and in our state and in our nation and in our world, pray for people. God, I pray for my friend Judy, that your kingdom would come in her life. My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. He gives you the next thing. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when we look at this phrase, this idea of will is, is, is a huge phrase because we've all got it. We've all got it. You heard the phrase, where there's a will, there's a way. That's another way of saying it. It's going to happen because people are pig-headed, hard-headed. They're going to do what they want to do, right? It's our will. And this is a prayer of submission. Jesus says, pray, God, your will be done, your will. Not my will. A lot of times we're in prayer with God, or, or, and maybe, maybe prayer for you is something that you haven't even tried or it's been hard for you, but you can understand this. The idea of giving up our, our sovereignty to someone else or, or the control of our life to someone else, say, God, I really just want what you want. It's saying, I want to trade my wish list for your best. God, I want what's best based on what you think. And so sometimes we'll pray for a job. Dear God, please help me get this job. I love adding this phrase, God, if it's your will, let me have this job. It's a subtle difference, but here's what happens. It gives, it gives us the humility to step back and say, God, you're in control, not me. Your will be done. And so sometimes there's this concept, I like to call it the concept of the, the cosmic Santa Claus. We come to God with our wish list, and dear God, give me a pony, you know? And God's like, you don't need a pony. Well, if you don't give me a pony, I don't believe in you. I'm not going to serve you. I'm not going to live for you. And that's an attitude we often carry, and God sees the big picture. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, you, you are sovereign. You are king. You're in control. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This next phrase is when you, even if you've never heard this prayer or never heard this uh, or, or prayed much, you, you've got this idea of, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread is that idea of the rations that we need to get by. But before we get to daily bread, i got this thing underlined, give us today. 
give us today, when Jesus prays, there's an assumption he's making. He's, he's assuming that we're going to pray daily. I think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, give us this week enough to get me by. Give me this month a cupboard full of food to get me through until I talk to you again in four, five, six weeks, six months. And I want to hang on to you daily. I want to camp out here for just a second because I think when it comes to the idea of a simple prayer, this is the thing that irks us the most. Sometimes it's intimidating to think about praying for a long time. And sometimes maybe you've experienced this, I know I have, that I'll sit back and be like, man, I can't, some people maybe they can sit down and pray for four or five hours, and in five minutes I'm done. I got, I got an attention span of a moth, and I'm just, I can't, I got to be bouncing around. I, and if I can't pray for four hours, then maybe it's not even worth it, or 30 minutes, or even five minutes. I want to encourage you in this. You know, praying to God, if it really is a conversation with him, I taking in the greatness of God is a big deal. It's a big deal. I want to give you permission. I don't have it to give, but you know, I'm saying it anyway. I want to let you let yourself off the hook here. To pray, as long as you can handle it, as often as you can handle it. And for you, if it's the first time you've ever prayed, it might be a sentence that you utter and you're done. Taking in the greatness of God is a big thing to behold, and I think that it's perfectly okay for you to do the best you can and then say, God, I, I'm worn out. I just, I just need a little break from this prayer. Now walk away from God, but walk away from prayer. He's God. He, there's a reason why we can't see him and we can't touch him. The people in the Bible who attempted it died because he's so glorious. But let yourself off the hook. Start with a simple prayer and try to do it daily. Jesus says, give us this day, our daily bread. I love this, the way that the psalmist puts it. David writes it in Psalm 131. He says, my heart is not proud. Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with the great matters and things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I'm content. God, just let me hold on to something simple. Let me just feel comfort. Or let me just feel peace for a moment. I'm not going to concern myself with things that are too big for me to comprehend right now. God understands that. Give us this day, but... He moves on, he says, give us this day our daily bread. And so obviously there, I mean, we talk about daily bread, and if you have heard that phrase, it's about sustenance, it's about what we need to get by, and you know, God is concerned about that. He is a personal and loving God, and he wants to give you what you need to get by, so praying for our daily bread is a big deal. God, give me our daily bread, but not just daily bread, again, this isn't a form letter. What you might need is new, new tires for your truck. God, I, I don't know how we're going to make it. It's not safe to drive this vehicle. I need new tires on my truck. If you can help me with this in any way. It, your will be done, whatever you need me to do. But this is what I need right now. God wants us to bring, like a good father, he wants his child to bring to him his needs and her needs. God, I need a relationship right now. God, I need comfort. God, I need a new job. God, I need, I need five minutes to myself without my kids screaming at me. I just need that, God. That's my daily bread. That's what I need to get by, and God is concerned with that, and he, and he will give you those opportunities. Uh, th this, this passage, one of my favorite ones in the Bible, is in 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. God loves you. He wants you to have what you need. He wants you to have what you've what you got to have to get by. So pray for your needs, and pray for the different situations in your life, and pray for not just your physical needs, but your spiritual needs. God, I'm weak in faith right now. God, I'm weak in prayer right now. God, 
I need help to get through this day spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, relationally. God, just help me get through this. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's, let's recap. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Pray for the church. Your will be done. Your will, God, not mine, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And he goes on. Forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Dislike. This, I don't like this one. Um, <laughs> I don't like this one because that means that, like, because you know what? There's been people that have hurt me and I'm mad at them. And I would rather just keep being mad at them. <laughs> it's a lot easier. But th- there's some things that have been said. I'm going to read something in a minute to kind of clarify. But th- there's, there's some things that have been said that say, you know what? A relationship with God really doesn't exist outside of a relationship of understanding forgiveness. Because forgiveness is, is how we encounter a relationship with God. God says, I, really, you've messed up. And the only way that you can be back in relationship with me is for me to forgive you for what you've done against me. So forgiveness is a big deal. It's important for us to pray to God for forgiveness. Now, I want you to know this, that if you're a Christian, if you've uh, been, been washed by the blood of Jesus, as we say, it's a, it's a biblical phrase, uh, and, and you've given your life to him, here's one of the promises he makes to you. I've forgiven you of your sin. Past sin, future sin, you're forgiven. The slate's clean. Now, are we going to sin at other times in our lives? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to make mistakes. And so the, the, the model there is to go to God and say, listen, these are things I've done to, 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 to mess up and to sin against you. I, I need forgiveness for that, God. Now, it's already been given. He's given it to you. But it's the idea of submitting to God, and it's also therapeutic for us to say, God, forgive me for my sins. I've done this thing. This is the sin that I struggle with. If you could just, I'm sorry, because saying it helps us claim it and get over it and move past it. Then one day in counseling, you'll hear that. (laughs) you got to say it before you can believe it. But maybe you haven't taking the step to say, I want to live my life for Jesus, I want to be a Christian, I want to let you know, God, God's got forgiveness for you too. And it's there, and it's what we talk about every week. It's about being a God chaser, and it's about letting God's grace shape us and living a life of, life of love. And so Jesus says, when you pray, say, forgive me for my sins, but also this, also forgive those who have who've sinned against me. Forgive my debtors. There's, there's, a, uh, there's a guy named Stephen Arterburn. I, I'm going to let him preach for the next minute or so. Because he wrote this thing, and you might have been in a small group here recently, one of our small groups that meets when we talked about forgiveness. And uh, this is a, uh, a section from something he wrote. Uh, Stephen Arterburn is the founder of New Life Ministries. He, it's the largest provider for Christian counseling in, in North America. Uh, this guy comes with really high credentials and, and, and very respectable. And here are his thoughts on forgiveness. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, forgiveness is at the core of emotional well-being. It is fair to say that unforgiving people are emotionally sick. Their bitterness is the disease of the spirit, and it is inevitable that the unforgiving person eventually will experience physical illness as well. Anger causes surges in adrenaline and secretes other powerful chemicals to attack the body. The stress we carry when we refuse to give or receive forgiveness affects our hearts, our minds, our bodies. To make matters worse, both rage and depression contribute to obsessive behaviors such as overeating and workaholism and overspending and even addictions to pornography and mood-altering drugs. We cannot rid ourselves of emotional pain and its side effects unless we're willing to forgive. He goes on. Unresolved anger keeps us from moving forward because it locks us in a time machine. Listen to that again. Unresolved anger keeps us from moving forward. Why? Because it locks us in a time machine, frozen, on the exact moment when a particular offense occurred. Fear of further injury makes us unwilling to move to new levels of relationship. 
Not only with those who have hurt us, but also with anyone who represents a similar threat. Furthermore, if we allow unforgiveness to continue, we are likely to experience depression, bitterness, or both. Yet more importantly than any of these concerns is the most serious concern of all, consideration of all, the spiritual consequence of unforgiveness, alienation from God. Forgiveness cannot begin until we admit our failures. If we cannot do that much, we can either give nor receive forgiveness. We cannot receive forgiveness without acknowledging our need for it, and we cannot extend forgiveness without admitting that because of our own imperfect, imperfect condition, we have no right to withhold forgiveness from anyone else. For Christians, forgiveness is a non-negotiable. It's the very essence of faith. I'm going to post that whole quote on our blog this week so you can look at it again. Jesus says that forgiveness can be and should be part of our prayer life. And maybe what you can do is just to pray for strength, to move beyond that frozen moment in time that you're locked in a time machine and you can't get past, just to pray for the strength to get through that moment, to express forgiveness to others. This isn't a talk on forgiveness. It could be. But I do just want to say that that can be part of your prayer life, and it should be. Jesus concludes his prayer. Let's, let's do the whole thing again. It says, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In this last line, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus concludes this pattern. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I, I got a question. You don't have to answer it, but you can, <laughs> but probably don't. What, what is your weakness? Like, what, is, what is your sin? What is the thing that you're like, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. That's my vice. That's the thing that holds me down. I'm always coming back to that. And Jesus says, look, lay that before God. Tell him. Like, you know what? When it's late at night and I've had a long day, I'm tempted to look at pornography. That's something I lay before God. I'll be honest about it. Will you be man enough or woman enough to be honest about it with God? You know what? When I've had a long day and my kids are on my nerves, I'm ready to punch one of them in the throat. You know what I mean? Tell God that. God, you know what? When I look at my bills and I see everything that's on the table, I know the things I should do with my money, but I also, man, I was over at Target the other day and they got a good deal of some shoes. Tell God about that. Lay it before him. God, instead of leading me into temptation, which he will not, we talked about that last week, instead deliver me from evil. There's a great little anecdote about this boy who's uh, saving up for a, for a baseball mitt, a baseball glove, right? And he was, he was so excited about his baseball glove, he had almost all the money saved up for the glove. And so but then he was like, man, there's only one way I'm going to get enough money for this glove. i got to say a prayer. So he goes to God and he says, dear God, please do not let the ice cream truck come down my street today. <laughs> You know what? We can pray to God and we can tell him that we've got temptations and struggles and problems. But you know what we also got to do? Stay away from the stinking ice cream truck. You know? <laughs> Quit going to the ice cream truck. Quit getting yourself in the situations where you feel like it's okay to lie and cheat or be immoral. Stop being alone in the office with that sexy secretary. That's not a joke. You can laugh because it's kind of ridiculous because we think it's okay. Stop 
watching Matthew McConaughey with his shirt off when you know what it causes your brain to do. Don't go to the ice cream truck. Even if they got those cool red, white, and blue popsicles, and those are good. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, God wants us to do our own part, but through prayer, we can also gain strength to get through it. And Jesus says, our Father who is in heaven, you're holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven those who've sinned against us. But lead us not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Sometimes when we begin to pray, it's difficult because we don't know what to say. We don't know how to say it. And we don't know what fancy words to use. And you know what? You don't need a book and you don't need a seminar and you don't need a class on prayer. Quite possibly what you need to do is to pull up an empty chair. I'll never forget one of the most beautiful prayers I ever heard in my life. Um, it was when I was in teen ministry. I was working with, with high school students, and there was a guy, I'm going to call him John. John didn't grow up in a Christian home. He didn't know God. He didn't know anything about it. But as we were talking, he was like, man, I, I really like this God thing. And So one day it came to this, this moment where I said, uh, John, you want to you you try to pray? That'd be a cool idea. You want to try to pray? And he said, yeah, I'll try that. Okay, so we sat down, and he said, what I'll do? I said, just talk to God. Like we talked about, just talk to God. He said, okay, this is what he prays. Uh, hey, God, it's me, John. Um, I guess you knew that. Um, huh, I don't really know much about you. I don't even know if you're good, but I hope you're good. But I really need some help right now. And then he looked up at me and he said, isn't there something I'm supposed to say at the end, like amen or something? I was like, no, nah, buddy, you're good. That was it. That was it. Prayer is about loving God and communicating with him and starting a relationship and continuing a relationship. My challenge to you this week is not to memorize the Lord's Prayer, though that would be great. My challenge to you is not to start a prayer journal and go 96 days without missing a day, though that would be great. My challenge to you this morning is not to form a prayer group and meet at your work 45 minutes before, prayer, before work begins and pray with those people and pray about all kinds of spiritual things and the city's needs, but that would be great. But my challenge for you is something way better than that, is that you will be able to master the art of the simple prayer. To pull up a chair and to start a conversation with God who loves you. And to fall in love with God who loves you. Can we do that right now? Right now. I'm going to have a seat. And no offense, but it's going to be me and God right now. <laughs> you can do the same in your seat where you are. But I want to pray for us together and pull up an empty chair. Let's go to God. Father, you're good, better than I deserve, most of the time, all the time. God, right now, I just want to pray for the people in this room, that you will help them to hear your word every week, not my word, not mine, 
And when it is mine, if you just would shut me up, that'd be good. I want it to be yours. And uh, God, I pray that your will be done. I got a lot of things in my life that I think I, I want, and I'm ambitious, and but I know that you want me to be a good father, a godly father, a godly husband, a godly man. I know that's your will. I pray that that be done in my life, and then that the other stuff can come as it may. I lay before you the needs of my family. You know what they are, and, uh, and of our church family. You know what they are. God, I'm not perfect, and I struggle with sin. And there's things in my life that for years I've battled, and I just pray that you help me to continue to win the battle by your strength. I'm going to stay away from the ice cream truck, though. And, um, yeah, I love you so much, and I, I lift up all these prayers in the powerful name of Jesus. And the power to forgive my sin, the power to change the world. I pray that we can do it one person at a time through you. We pray in his name. Amen.